Welcome to the Every Nation Rosebank Church Podcast. At our church, we honor God, make disciples, and transform nations. For more information about our church, visit everynationrosebank.org and don't forget to subscribe. Um, can I ask you to turn uh, in your Bibles to the book of 1 Samuel? 1 Samuel chapter 1 is where we'll camp out for the duration of our time together. It is, it is my privilege to bring you the, the last installment of our Straight to the Heart series. We have been delving into issues of soul health, mental health, and ensuring that we can live lives that are proactive um, and, and, uh, and, and taking responsibility for the state and for the health of, of our souls. And so we, we started... Uh, this journey by looking at an emotional God, looked at the fact that God is emotional uh, and that he is aware of his emotions, that he expresses his emotions uh, and not afraid of them. And as a consequence, um, that if God is emotional, that we then have permission to feel. That was the next uh, uh, service was, was that to God or, or that we have permission to feel. Uh, that we can delve into who we are, the state of our own souls, uh, and how we express ourselves uh, within, within that context. And if we have permission to feel, then we also have permission to heal. We have permission to heal, uh, that we are ensuring uh, that we are doing the work. We're doing the work to become whole, and, uh, and where uh, things have not gone well or where we have become broken, that we can take those places to the Lord and trust Him for, uh, for healing. And of course, we do all these things within the context of community. We don't seek out our wholeness and our healing in isolation. It's always within community. And so we looked at how we uh, uh, become proactive and responsible for the state of our souls within the context of community. And today, uh, we're looking at permission to share permission to share. And my job this morning really is to help you to see uh, that regardless of the circumstances that you find yourself in uh, or, or, or the, the process that you're in, in the journey of healing of your soul, you have something to give. Uh, you have something that benefits those around you, that benefits society and potentially something that benefits the nation so that you, you don't fall into the trap of diminishing yourself because of where you think you are in your healing journey. Amen. I look forward to, to tracking together. Um, and uh, and for, for all of you online, uh, thank you for, for joining us. Uh, as we track together, please make sure to uh, turn to uh, 1 Samuel. Uh, 1 Samuel, and that's where we're going to find our scripture reading for today. In the book of First uh, Samuel, we come across three, three characters, three people and whose lives are intertwined. And through the study of their lives, uh, we hopefully 
will allow a picture to emerge that tells a story of who we are and what we have, we have to give. And so the scripture begins in chapter 1. It says, Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim Zophim, of the mountains of Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuf, an Ephraimite. And he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah, and the name of the other Peninnah. Peninnah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now I want you to pause at this portion of Scripture, because even early on, there's something for us to mine here, and there's a bit of a deposit for us, because you see what the Scripture is telling us is that there's this man, and his name is Elkanah. And Elkanah has two wives. Uh, uh, one's uh, name is Peninnah, and the other's name is Hannah. And that he, th- this man, Elkanah, uh, has children. He has sons and daughters, but he only has sons and daughters through the one wife, Peninnah. We know that this man is reasonably well off to be able to manage uh, the running and the resourcing of two households. <laughs> so, so, so he's okay in life. Uh, and, 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 uh, and he has been productive. He has been productive in the sense that he, he presumably has achieved some level of respect in the community, in the sense that economically he seems to have been able to, to achieve some level of means, uh, and that uh, he has been able to perpetuate his lineage, he has sons and daughters. But what the scripture tells us is that he has, he has sons and daughters by Peninnah, and he does not have any children by Hannah. Now, when we look deeper into the scripture, we recognize that the name Peninnah means coral or pearl. Uh, For the sake of our study, I'm leaning more on the definition of pearl. And the name uh, uh, Hannah means grace. And so this man is, is, uh, is managing these two households, and he's in relationship with these two people, pearl and grace. Now, when we think of Uh, a pearl, a physical pearl, and how it is made that, that, that within an oyster shell, that whether it's a grain of sand or a substance of food that gets trapped into, in, in the shell, and that the, the oyster begins to layer this substance or this, this grain with a substance um, over time, layers and layers and layers until it forms into something else, something that it was not before. And so we begin to see a pearl forming. It hardens and it takes on a beauty, something that is attractive to us, and we consider it to be scarce and therefore uh, of, of some worth. So we have pearl who, who is a product, an outcome of process. I want you to follow with me. She is an outcome of process and an application of works. And the application of the works has produced a result Fruit, she is the mother of sons and daughters. And yet on the other hand, we have Hannah, grace, through whom no fruit has yet been seen. And so, and so Elkanah is a man who has been able to apply his, himself, apply his might, apply his works to his life and see productivity and fruition. He's been able to till the land cultivate and, be, and take up a harvest. He's been able to rear livestock 
and, 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 and develop a herd. He's been able to use his might and, and apply his might and lay his, with his wife and produce sons and daughters, but his works have produced nothing through grace. Because grace doesn't require our works. Only that we respond. And so the same process and the same works that he applied with Pearl and the process to be able to achieve an outcome has produced nothing over here. And so the lesson immediately for Elkanah is you cannot, you cannot apply yourself the same way and expect the same result in the atmosphere of grace. We show up in grace and God does the rest. We, we work here, and we apply ourselves, and we have process, and then we have outcome. And so this is the first lesson that Elkanah is learning, and hopefully that is settling into our souls. And so in verse 3, it says that this man went up from his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice to the Lord of hosts in Shiloh, also the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And whenever the time came for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah he would give a double portion, for he loved Hannah, although the Lord had closed her womb. Let's pause there again. And so now we, the, the, the story is beginning to take a little bit more shape. We're beginning to color in some of the picture. Because what, what the scripture now is telling us is that at the yearly time of sacrifice, that, that, uh, that Elkanah was ta- would take his household and, and, and they would go uh, to, 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 the, to, the, to the house of God and they would offer sacrifices. And when they get there, that Elkanah would allocate the resources for sacrifice. And, and he would give a portion, the relevant portion, whatever was needed, he gave to Peninnah and her household. So her sons and daughters, he provided for them to be able to approach the Lord with sacrifice. How many of you know that uh, it is not good for us to approach the Lord with nothing in our hands? What is, what is the sacrifice that we're bringing before the Lord? Okay, you guys are not ready for that one, so let me come back to <laughs> let me come back to what we're about today. He, he, has, he has allocated portions for Peninnah, and what the Bible tells us is that he allocates a double portion for Hannah. And so and so that which is a, a, a is credible. That which, which was tried and tested, that which he could plan for and account for and understand was the process that if he applied his might, it had a particular outcome. He applied resources to that. He allocated resources so that we can approach God here and trust him to come through. But he allocated double portion for Hannah. Let me put it this way. He allocated double portion for grace. And what that tells me is that, is that even though he allocated resources for that which was well understood to him and within his might, he allocated even more for the potential that grace carries. On the off chance that God is going to come through over here, I am going to give more here than I did over there. 
Because if God comes through for me over here, it's what I did. I applied myself here and I saw fruit. But if God comes through for me over here, hey, nobody can take that away from me. Nobody can tell me that that was the season or the harvest or the seed or the, the process or the mechanics or the... No, nothing could be done here. It was barren land. The Bible says that she, her womb had, was closed. But, 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 but Elkanah provides a double portion for the closed womb. Why? Because grace applied. Because if, if, I, if I focus my prayer and my attention and my resources and, and my faith... Double than what I did over here. Whatever is fruit of this process is of God. Undoubtedly so. So hopefully you're starting to get the picture that this isn't a message about two women. And maybe some of you, maybe some of you men, when I started reading, you began to sit back. Oh, he's talking to the ladies today. <laughs> Woo! Sit back. <laughs> no. I'm talking to you, brother Hannah. <laughs> in your area of barrenness where you feel like you have applied yourself and have seen no fruit the question before you is are you going to apply a double portion to the place of grace or are you going to fall back on what you know what is secure what is predictable what you've already done before and you've seen it work. Let me rather get, spend mo most of my time over here because this is a safer zone. If I do one, two, three, I'll get four and five and six. If I apply myself this way, this is the outcome. I know how to handle this. Here's the problem with that. If the story had ended right here, right where we are, and we knew nothing else, one, we, we would have never found out about Elkanah, right? Uh, but, but Elkanah himself would have likely lived a good, fruitful, pleasant life. He had means, he had, he had households, he had, he had, he had uh, sons and daughters. He's fine. But God is not calling us to fine. God is not calling us to okay. God is not calling us to, it's the way things are. You see, Elkanah needs Hannah in his life to move him from okay to supernatural, to memorable. We're talking about Elkanah today, thousands of years later, because his life is memorable. Every Elkanah needs a Hannah in their life, somebody who is unwilling to accept the way things are. And it's going to move, whether it is in desperation or irritation or whatever it is, but it's going to move to ensure that things change. And so he allocates a double portion where there's an expectation of grace. And in verse 6, the scripture tells us, and her rival also provoked her severely to make her miserable because the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year when she went up to the house of the Lord that she provoked her. Therefore she wept and did not eat. Let's pause there again. Here's what the scripture is telling us. Her rival, the other wife, Peninnah, would provoke and mock Hannah 
to the extent that she started to cry. And then she continued to mock her and provoke her to the extent that she stopped eating. Peninnah mocked Hannah. Peninnah mocked Hannah because Hannah did not produce according to Peninnah. And so there was a certain outcome and a certain fruit that Peninnah carried that she did not see in Hannah. And so therefore she mocked her. What a senseless thing to do. And, and, and here's what we tend to do, right? We, we, we go before Peninnah. Before Peninnah starts to mock me, I'm going to start mocking myself. Because I don't produce according to Peninnah. And Peninnah is going to come and mock me. So what do I do? I start mocking myself. I start degrading myself. Why? Because I'm not, my fruit does not look like her fruit. But God didn't call me to produce her fruit. Her fruit is her fruit. Mine is my fruit. And so we diminish our light. Why? Because we are afraid to produce. Because we are intimidated by somebody else's fruit. I don't want, I, I, I love to sing, but I don't want to sing because I can't sing like Zonke. I don't want to sing, I don't want to dance because I can't dance. I don't want to prophesy because I can't prophesy like Pastor Greg. Nobody is saying prophesy like Pastor Greg, just prophesy. You're sitting on business dreams. You're sitting on plans. You're sitting on calling that you're not bringing to fruition because you're intimidated by somebody else's fruit. Walk in your own light. Why? Because the scriptures tell us that the, that the, the creation itself groans with, with birth pangs almost in, in, in excruciating anticipation. What? For the sons and daughters of God to be made manifest. And we are not called to be one uniform line that can't be differentiated from the other. You're called to produce your fruit, not Peninnah's fruit. And so Peninnah mocks Hannah. Peninnah missed something in her own story. Peninnah missed her own beauty. She, you see, because I don't want us to think of her as this villain in the story. What she missed was that God had made her beautiful. She is the pearl who was the product of process, who was layered beautifully until she had become this precious pearl, this precious thing that, 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 is, that is attractive. But, but she missed the beauty of her own process. And she missed the outcome. She missed what God had created her to be because, Scripture tells us, she looked up and she realized that her husband loved Hannah more than he loved her. And because of rejection, because of jealousy, she lost sight of herself. She missed the fact that God had allowed her to be fruitful. She had been naturally fruitful. She missed that as a blessing. And you know what else she missed? She missed 
the fact that work and might are part of the economy of God. Oh, I know that we've been told that the economy of God works on faith. And I'm here to tell you, yes, the economy of God works on faith, but the economy of God works on both faith and works. So what do we do? We, we, we're told to declare and to, and to, and to proclaim and to, and to make our mark. We're told to wake up at 12 midnight and to pray and to shandai. We're told to fast in a particular way. We're told if we turn around this way, this will happen. We're told it didn't happen because you didn't have enough faith. And so we sit at home and we, ex- and we pray prayers of wealth. Lord, enlarge my territory. And then we go back to sleep. And, 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 we, and we, 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 have, we have business ideas and we start businesses and we expect our business to grow and to become multi-million rand businesses, but we're busy binge-watching Netflix. But I had the faith. I, I applied the faith. I got Pastor Greg to come and pray and lay hands on my car and my business and everything so I can, sit, I can put my feet up and watch, and watch Netflix. No! Work is part of the economy of God. You are called to lay your hand to the plow. Having laid your hand to the plow, you can then pray for God to bless your efforts. Don't ask God to bless what is not there. He will. (laughs) John, explain that to... Fifty times zero is zero. <laughs> we trust God, and He comes through first. But we are the, the the partnership is work and faith. What does the New Testament tell us? That faith without works is called dead, dead faith, useless to God. The faith where I just stand and I proclaim. Is, is, is dead faith. We see your faith by what you do. You shandying is good. Shandai. Pray. Wake up when you want to. If you're waking up at midnight, wake up at, at midnight. And shandai. But then at 6 a.m., get up again and do something else. You want a promotion? Pray to God for a promotion. Then get up tomorrow and go to work and show up hard. And bring excellence. And apply yourself and, and, and improve yourself and ask God to bless that effort. Watch what happens. And so, in verse 8, then Elkanah and her husband, uh, then Elkanah, her husband said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? And why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And so I, I laughed when I read this because uh, uh, Hannah had been going through some stuff. And so she's in clear distress. Her, her soul is obviously in a good place. She's obviously going through some mental health issues. And here comes Elkanah and he says, Hannah, wh- why, why are you not eating? Why, why is your soul in distress? Am, am I not better to you than ten sons? I thought to myself, isn't just that how we try to bring comfort when people are going through pain and grief? And, and, and the danger of it 
is, in, is, is that we, risk, we run the risk of invalidating people's feelings. What, why are you crying? You know what I hear when somebody says that to me? You shouldn't be crying. You shouldn't be feeling that way. And then it produces shame, right? Why are you crying? Why? Why would you react this way to what happened over there? It's nonsensical. And so we, we run the risk. We invalidate people's feelings. I love, here's, here's, here's something else that he does. He says, he says um, hey, am I not better to you than 10 sons? So, so what, what do we do? We come, we, come, we come into somebody's grief and we go, you know, I see what you're going through. You know what it reminds me of? That one time when I went through something and then, and then we begin on a 30-minute discourse that has made the whole situation about ourselves. We, we, we've diverted the attention from the hurting person to our own stories. And the other thing that he does here is that he, he seeks validation from the victim. She's hurting. She's in pain. What does he ask? Hey, aren't I better than 10 sons? I'm great, right? I'm good to you. Affirm me. Validate me. How we comfort people is, is important. And stepping, let's step into people's pain, step into people's grief. And, and we, we have this thing, and I think it's a, 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 a symptom of, of, of Joburg or, or, or busyness, or I don't know what it is, where, where we, we, we avoid pain, right? We avoid people's pain. We don't want to deal. So if, when somebody's in pain, let them, oh, let's just give them some space. Don't we just get, you know, give, give them some space. Give them some space. And, and what we're essentially saying is come back when you're good. We like what we've got. Your, mess, your mood is messing with our chemistry. Come back when you've got to sort it out. Now, you know, some people need space and things like that, and that's good. But let's not be afraid to step into somebody's pain, into somebody's grief. You don't, you, a person's not typically looking for answers. They're not looking for you to solve the mystery. They're looking for you to just be there. Be there. So Elkanah steps in. in an attempt to comfort. So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Notice what she did with his attempts. She just got up and walked away. <laughs> hey, Hannah, why are you crying? Aren't I better to you? I'm good to you, right? I'm better than... T-. Well, she just gets up and she walks off. <laughs> Maybe there's something in there for you. I don't know. Don't walk out of your marriage or something weird like that because <laughs> you guys sometimes you take weird things out of messages and then we have to do <laughs> <laughs> So Hannah arose after they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh. Now Eli the priest was sitting on the seat by the doorpost of the tabernacle of the Lord and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed to the Lord and wept in anguish. Then she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life and no razor shall come upon his head. And it happened as she continued praying before the Lord that Eli watched her mouth. How now Hannah spoke in her heart, only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. 
So Eli said to her, how long will you be drunk? Put your wine away from you. But Hannah answered and said, no, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief, I have spoken until now. Here's what I want you to know, and this, um, this will free you. Sometimes your grief may be mistaken for drunkenness. Somebody else who is not in your shoes may look at what you are going through and declare that you are crazy. Declare that you are out of your mind. Declare that you are on some, you've had something strong to drink. What am I laboring here? Don't wait for people to validate your pain. Your pain, hey, somebody felt, your pain. <laughs> Better thank that person because I was just going to preach until somebody gets it. We're going to go into lunch. I tell, <laughs> Your pain matters. Your experience matters. What you're going through, don't wait for somebody to validate that because all that's going to end up happening is you're going to add pain on pain. Now it's the pain of rejection, the pain of misunderstanding, the pain of, of being dismissed. Why? Because you're waiting for somebody else to look at you and tell you that it's okay to feel what you're feeling. You're waiting for somebody else to come along and say, ah, I get it. Ellie looked at her and said, hey, woman, stop drinking. Look at the time of day. How can you be drunk? But she had to own her pain. And do you know what she did with her pain, by the way? She didn't drown it in Netflix. She didn't drown it on, on the internet. She didn't drown it in drugs. She didn't drown it in alcohol. She didn't get busy so that she'd never have to feel or think about anything. She didn't try and make herself numb. She didn't withdraw from society because she felt useless. She didn't pretend to be something that she was not. She didn't walk into church with the praise God, hallelujah, and then cry all the way home. Tell me when I'm getting close. <laughs> Tell me when it's hot. <laughs> she didn't hate God with her pain. She didn't start to suspect in the, in the innermost of her heart that maybe God is not who he is or, or, or he's not as good as he says he is or why is this happening to me or, or if God was so good then, then or she didn't go and she didn't say I, I'm clearly less favored than the other person because she produced and I didn't. She didn't fall into comparison. She didn't do any of those unhealthy things that we do all the time that make us unfruitful in the kingdom. Isn't that the biggest irony? It is often the unhealthy responses that make us unfruitful. She didn't do any of that. She, scripture says she went and she poured her soul out before the Lord. So much so that somebody else thought she was, she was drunk. 
And, 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 and so we, we come into church and, 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 and you know, we, we're, we're prim, prim and proper and we've got to maintain and, and the worship is on and it's good and it's ministering to that place of pain. But you're here because, you know, we've got to maintain and we've got to keep it in the pocket. And, you know, the, pe- pe- people are watching and I've got to you know, maintain my composure. But it's minister is cutting deep and you want to cry and you want to shout out and you want to just run. You want to, you want to do something. But no, no, we're here. Mm, mm, we're here because we're more concerned about what people are thinking than the business we have to do with God I, I, I long for the day when we have people just kind of just running crazy in the service and, and, and not caring what other people think I long for the day when, you, when, when, when the person next to me is bumping me like this and making room like listen I got, a, I, got, I got some worship to do because I'm going through some can you give me some space because I'm going to do some worship right now I'm not, I'm not here to join the performance I'm here to work I long for that day where we don't need permission to shout amen because the word is penetrating and it is going deep and it is ministering and it is releasing me and I don't care who knows what or interprets what, but this word, I'm claiming it and I'm saying amen. I long for that day. When the chains fall off and church is no longer about ticking boxes or performing or doing what we think is expected of us. Where we get to the point where somebody else is going, <laughs> and look at the I mean it's still morning and <laughs> in verse 17 then Eli answered and said go in peace and the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of him and he said let your maidservant or she said let your maidservant Find favor in your sight. So the woman went away and ate, and her face was no longer sad. He didn't know what she was praying about. He didn't know what the anguish of her heart was. He didn't know what she was going through. But he released a word. He released a word. Let your petition be done according to you. The sovereignty of God. And we don't know. You don't know what the person next to you is going through. You don't know who came to church today battling thoughts of suicide. You don't know who can't get out of bed because they can't see hope. You don't know who's so heartbroken that they cry themselves to bed to sleep each and every night. You don't know who would desires with all their heart to bear children and they, they haven't been able to do so. You don't know who's walking in with a, with a, a shame because of, a, of, of failure, business failure. You don't know which marriage is struggling and, and teetering on the edge of divorce. You don't know. It's not your business to know. It's your business to release the word of faith.
The question is not what are you going through? And so therefore you're justified to sit back. No, as a family of faith, we are Eli. We are the priest. The priest is not the person who stands. You are the priest. You are the one who sees that person in anguish and releases the word of faith. Let it be done according to your prayers. Let it be done in accordance to your faith. faith. Let it be done in accordance to your faith. The sovereign will of God over you. That thing that you're trusting God for, that thing that, that needs to be broken, let it be broken right now. Because when we, when we do that with one another, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a Penina, and, and there's, a, there's a, 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 a Hannah, and there's an Elkanah, but there's also an Eli, and, and, and he releases that word. And do you know what happens post? Samuel. Samuel is born. Samuel is born, and Samuel is a prophet to the nation of Israel. And so Samuel becomes a blessing to the entire nation. The grief and the anguish and the desperation of one woman blessed an entire nation because she refused to wear the identity that Peninnah tried to give her. And she went to the Lord and she said, I will pour out my heart, my soul. I will leave nothing. But I refuse to allow the things, things to stay the way they are. And the nation was blessed. Who knows what you're carrying in your heart? Who knows what you're carrying in your womb? Who knows what you're getting ready to birth? You haven't seen the fruitfulness. That doesn't mean it's not there. Peninnah had, had birthed and, 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 and had been fruitful through natural means. And so you looking at Peninnah going, clearly I'm not called to fruitfulness, is nonsensical in the kingdom of God. Because he's looking at you saying, why don't you pour out your heart? Why don't you come to me? Why don't you kneel before me? Why don't you trust me? Why don't you stop looking at her and start looking at me? Why don't you stop believing for what I can do through you? Why don't you start expecting and anticipating what I've already released? Why don't you believe and know that even though you have not yet produced a fruit, you are about to produce a Samuel? The most beautiful thing is, you know what she did when Samuel had been born? It says, if you read on, it says, uh, she, when it was time for them to go again to, uh, to the yearly sacrifice, and she said to her husband, you know, I, you guys go. I'm going to wean this child, and when this child is weaned, I'll take the child to the temple and present this child and dedicate this child like the parents who are bringing their children before us, before the Lord today, and dedicating their children. And she said, this child will belong to the Lord, and this child will serve the Lord. So she received the promise, and then she nurtured the promise, and then she gave the promise away. That is not a typical trauma response. Typical trauma response to having been through what she had been through is not to release the blessing and the promise, it's to hold on to it. Typical response would be to, I'm never going to let Samuel out of my eye. 
I'm never going to let Samuel out of my eye. And so Samuel becomes a sheltered child who mustn't fall or scrape their knee or experience it. Why? Because, oh, we, he came to us through much hardship. And, and you don't know what we had to go through and what we had to sacrifice to get Samuel. So Samuel must, must always be close to mom. Samuel must always be watched. Samuel will never be what he's meant to be. And so we, we have this, this response that is, that is a fear of, of loss and a fear of, of what could potentially happen because, man, do you know how long I've been out of a job and, and finally God blesses me and I get a job. I've been without, I've been buried all these years and I finally have come into some provision and you come at me and you start t- talking to me about the tithe? Can I just enjoy a little bit? Can I just buy myself some nice shoes? <laughs> can I just spoil myself a little? Can, I, can, can the blessing just be for me? No! It's not just for you. It's for your family. It's for your workplace. It's for society. It's for the nation. And so the healthy response that, that Hannah demonstrates is not, she, she nurtures that promise, she prepares that promise, and then she goes and she blesses the nation with that promise. You have something to give. You have something in you that when God births that promise, births that, that blessing, don't now turn it back on yourself and hoard it because you're traumatized by what you've been through. Nurture it and give it. Why? Because you have something to share. Regardless of where you've been, regardless of where you find yourself on the spectrum of mental health, soul issues, whatever your circumstances are, you have something to give. Do you believe that? Let's, Let's stand to our feet. Father, thank you that every one of us has something to give, has have something to share. Thank you that we can share our testimonies, we can preach the gospel, we can share what we have, we can share what we've seen, we can share what we've been through, we can empower others, it doesn't matter where we've been that you are able to use us. Thank you, Lord. I just want to release that grace. I just want to release that anointing over everybody here today that they wouldn't walk out knowing that despite where they find themselves, despite the evaluation of of their own souls, that they have a treasure, they have something to give. Thank you, Lord. That each person here is called by you to advance your kingdom. That there are people who need to hear of their journey. There are people here who need to hear of the the, the gospel message. The people here who need hope. And they have something to give. Help us to carry this conviction. Help us to live it out. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.